of Bucky's fifth podcast, Jay Kokorowski, Owen Reese here on this Monday evening. Happy April. Spring is in full bloom and the weather. I was checking Owen coming up in the next couple of this weekend, uh, maybe some 60s, maybe near 70 uh, from what I saw from earlier today uh, coming up on this weekend, which I'll, if it's showers, I don't care. If it's near 70 degrees, I'll be wearing shorts uh, as we are here in Wisconsin, but Oh, gosh. Uh, spring ball is underway, but media has not been allowed in until tomorrow, which is Tuesday morning, April 2nd. And we still have not finished our position previews. And Owen, we start off our position previews today, my good man, with a position group that's near and dear to your heart, obviously, because you're a former collegiate offensive lineman at Carroll University, the offensive lineman. I get, you know, it's going to be an interesting spring. And like I said, just to let everyone else do, this is going to be spring previews. So we're not going to talk about any of the incoming offensive linemen like Logan Brown, Joe Timmons. There is a question at the end, part of our mailbag segments. Uh, we'll talk about Logan Brown, but we're not going to really preview him until then. Uh, and we're not going to preview Joe Tittman or um, Logan O'Brien, the other walk on, but also on the, we're going to do defensive linemen too. But you're not, we're not going to really – we have a couple of questions talking about Rodas Johnson, Gio Paez, Keanu Benton. We won't necessarily get – we're not going to preview them until we get to the mailbag questions uh, that were asked. And we got three questions, so thanks, guys, for that. But, Owen, back to the offensive lineman. First off, happy Monday. And two, it should be really interesting to see what this offensive line looks like and, and what type of reps and snaps and formations and – personnel they all use really within this offensive line group coming up, uh, you know, that we'll start seeing in person starting tomorrow. Yeah, man. Um, let's, let's talk about the most uh, athletic, uh, best athletes, best looking players on the team. Um, the, so they're for the, first time, <laughs> for the first time in Paul Christ's tenure, they've really got uh, quite a bit of turnover. Um, you know, there's been a couple of years that, Chris's first year, they ended the season starting four redshirt freshmen, and and you saw three of those guys graduate this past year with uh, Jake Maxwell, um, who was in that group, but uh, was his career was shortened uh, due to injury. So those guys have really been a constant, whether it was Peter Benshaw and Micah Kapoy, and then um, you know the next year you saw Dave Edwards come into the fold, and. A lot of that, um, you know, Ryan Ramchek was there, and then he was there for a year. But then, um, you know, they moved Dieter, uh, Dieter out for, to get Dietzen in, who had already been playing. So there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of continuity, a lot of familiar names uh, for for these four years. And now most of them are gone. Dieter, uh, Ben Shaw, and Dave Edwards uh, will likely get get drafted. Um, well, they, I guess they will get drafted. Uh, John Deaton's gone, uh, medical retirement, uh, which I saw Paul Christ got a bit of a kick out of wording it that way, but, uh, nonetheless, um, so Deaton will be gone. Um, and then, uh, Colvin Lannon and Tyler Biotish sitting out of the spring, uh, kind of, we've seen that with, with UW the past few seasons. Uh, they're kind of exercising a bit of uh, caution there, I think, and, and realizing that it it's 
more beneficial for the young kids in spring to get the reps um, than they they uh, they would be getting them by uh, by Cole and Tyler. I think they know what they have there, and they know that those are they're probably their two best offensive linemen uh, heading into the spring. So they know what they've got there. Stay healthy. Uh, don't don't train too much after lifting, and and kind of let the young guys get some reps. So offensive line, I think, is probably like sneaky low key one of the more uh, intriguing positions on this, uh, in coming into this season. I think the, the narrative can get a bit lazy at times of just the, well, it's the Wisconsin offensive line. They'll be fine. And there's some truth there. Uh, but I think that there's quite a bit of unknown. Um, if only just for the fact of, we haven't seen it, uh, on a consistent basis, Jason Erdman will likely fit in there somewhere. Caden Lyles, Josh Seltner, the former walk-on, uh, some guys fighting for spots. So, there are names that we've heard, uh, whether Tyler Beach and, and Logan Bruss in there too. Um, like I said, they're names we've heard. Uh, we've seen them in flashes. Erdman played quite a bit in 2017 as a reserve and then saw him some last year with Bruss in that jumbo package before uh, Bruss eventually kind of graduated to the starting lineup to end the year with, with Dave Edwards' uh, injury and stuff. So really quite a bit of uh, turnover and a lot of new names, um, which really – will uh, be a bit of a by- byproduct of having so many guys that have been there for so long. Uh, they've really kind of been able to stack this stack this depth up behind these guys who have been in the starting lineup for so long. Uh, and now that you, know, you kind of get to see the fruits of that labor um, come out and see what, what depth has really been built uh, when those guys are asked to, to be thrust into bigger roles. Right. And then, you know, with Cole Van Lannen and Tyler Biotish both out for the spring, as Chris noted in his Monday availability last week. Yeah, like I said, it opens up a lot uh, with this spring to get reps. and It's going to be healthy reps. Uh, and, you know, starting with, I guess, with Biotish out, let's look, let's talk about the interior lineman. Let's talk about, you know, now you have Caden Lyles coming back over to the offensive line from being selfless. I've, I've described that couple times now how he selflessly you know took one for the team and where he probably could have gotten some action possibly last year as maybe part of the you know uh, the the jumbo package or subbing in where they needed to where he could have gotten or just improved in general as an offensive lineman he went on the opposite side of the ball became a starter on defense uh, which I think speaks to the depth and the the talent at defensive line with Garrett ran out and Isaiah Loudermilk also being injured for a time being. Uh, We'll get to them later, but Lyle stepped up there. Um, But with Biotish out, you're going to have, you know, and Chris noted, you're going to have Lyle's probably at center, Erdman getting the reps at center too. So you're going to have along with Biotish, three capable centers uh, that will be able to, whoever wins that quarterback battle, they'll, they'll have that experience of, of working in that you know, in that capacity, uh, but you know, two other guard positions, you know, this spring is gonna be interesting because you have Josh Seltzner, the former walk-on who got some first team reps in fall camp with injuries. Uh, Michael Furtney, which if you guys look over to the, you know, UW badgers.com uh, article from Mike Lucas, I think it was last week talked about or a couple weeks back talking about, you know, Joe Rudolph speaking about Michael Furtney saying he might get in the rotation, some work in at the interior line position. You have David Mormon who has experience out at tackle uh, who back up during the 2017 season was kind of being like a swing tackle. And he, by the end of last year, 
for the 2018 Pinstripe Bowl. The game notes listed him as the number two left guard behind Michael Dieter. And so, uh, you know, that's great for Wisconsin linemen. They're known for the versatility. I'm interested in seeing, like, uh, I'm going to keep my eyes on on who's snapping to who, who's who's where and how many snaps. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting watch. It's not going to be your standard what it was the past couple of really the real you know past couple of of spring or fall camps where it's been easy to kind of say okay this guy's going to normally be here if they're injured well this guy's going to get reps it's going to be really interesting to see where they place them how they interchange them and i mean my eyes are going to be glued starting tomorrow yeah i think it's this is um and I, i kind of alluded to that earlier this is really a bit of a uncertainty or instability for the badgers offensive line which uh, isn't isn't seen very often. Um, you know, like I said, there's there's two real sure things in this offensive line group, and uh, neither of them are playing this spring. Uh, so you've also got uh, quite a few. Um, we saw probably I would I would venture to say more position changes this off season than we have in the past few uh, heading into spring. Um, Cormac Sampson, who was recruited as a tight end slash defensive end out of uh, Eau Claire last year, redshirted. He's been moved from tight end to offensive tackle. Uh, Aaron Vopel, who we'll talk about in a second, um, was moved from defensive end to offensive tackle. So you've got a couple new bodies, um, which could either speak to uh, the the depth at defensive end um, or, or lack thereof, perhaps. But but also, uh, I think the the UW coaching staff seeing the need um, to to strengthen some positions. We saw some other moves with guys being moved to tight end as well. So. Um, It'll be interesting. I'm I, I, I'm curious. Unfortunately, um, due to uh, my job, uh, I won't be uh, able to be down at spring with you. Um, so, I, but but guys like Aaron Vopel and Cormac Sampson are guys that, to me, uh, that a change of scenery can be good. And, and even though they don't have the experience at offensive line, um, those are two big athletic dudes um, that that have some upside there. So. Uh, those guys will be interesting as well as as uh, Fertney playing on the inside. I think he and Josh Seltzner uh, are two younger guys that could really push uh, some of those guys that are thought to be able to to be in the guard rotation, um, like Jason Erdman and uh, Dave Mormon and Caden Lyles. So um, it'll be interesting for sure. Like I said, this it's a it's a it's going to be a, uh, uh, an atmosphere that breeds competition and breeds um, like a, a desire for. Um, improvement uh which is something i think that uw always wants to harbor but that's something that it's not that it hasn't been there but but the like i said the fruits of the labor of the lesser known guys really haven't been seen over the past few years because those that that starting lineup has been so solidified so uh seeing how this spring goes uh, i think will um be a good indication of how they're uh continuing to develop young offensive linemen and kind of what the the position could look like for the next few years I was going to say, too, I mean, going, bumping outside, the tackles. I mean, we, we talked about Mormon with his little bit of his vers- versatility. Uh, and on that note, Joe Rudolph mentioned it was during Rutgers week when Van Lannan was injured during the Northwestern loss, and Bruss came in and was at left tackle. Saying, we asked Joe just how confident he was with Bruss at the left tackle spot, but he mentioned Tyler Beach. And he mentioned David Mormon as those that could battle in competition. And so there's a versatility with Mormon that I'm really intrigued with. But right tackle, I think Britt's Bruss. Uh, he's athletic there. Uh, he It'll be interesting to see if they ever 
pop back or if they do anything different between now that Alex Hornibrook's gone, but based off of the comments and, and, and uh, you know, that you'll be badgered article by Mike Lucas, there's two articles, by the way, by Lucas that you, uh, that fans should read because it kind of gives a little bit more detail into it. But it sounds like based off of that article, Van Landen staying at left tackle, and then you have Bruss at the right side, who he took over for David Edwards for the last three games of last year. And he's only going to add a little bit more, you know, he's only going to add a healthier weight. He's going to add a little bit more uh, experience there. And he's extremely athletic. But then, you know, I think outside of that, you know, watching Beach and Mormon possibly, I'm excited to see which one of those two step up this spring at that position. Uh, we'll see what, you know, a guy like Cormac Sampson or, or what Vopel could do for that matter, uh, where, where he lines up because Vopel is listed at, what, 6'6", 310 pounds right now. Uh, and so we'll see how he does. Um, we'll get to Vopel and, and Sampson in just a bit. But um, I think tackles will be really intriguing to watch at how – you know, I think this, I think there's going to be a really big spring uh, for both Beach and Mormon to see where they could line up, uh, you know, on the line, and if they get their shots, uh, depending upon you know, uh, or if they you know solidify their spot in the two deep heading into fall camp. Yeah, and I think that's something too to keep in consideration. Joe Rudolph has has made it known, um, you know, he's not afraid to rotate guys, and then they want to get their best lineman on the field. And if they feel as though that they, they can rotate guys and not have a drop-off in play I and mean, keep those guys fresh, we saw that with Van Landen and Dietzen last year, which obviously had something to do with John Dietzen's uh, ability to play full games or lack thereof um, and in his injury history. But um, in the past, we've seen Joe Rudolph rotate guys uh, without fear. You know, Jake Maxwell and, and Dave Edwards started that way. Uh, we've seen Micah Capoy rotate in and out throughout the years. John Dietzen. Uh, even in his younger years, rotating with um, with Michael Dieter uh, and Kapoy at left guard. Uh, so definitely if those players are available and they're ready to go and they're uh, ready to contribute uh, in the eyes of the coaching staff, I, I know they've, like I said, from what we've seen, they're not afraid to uh, allow that to happen. Uh, you mentioned it with the, and I was happy you did, because that's that's something that I've been drilling on here for quite a while was the the reversal of the traditional roles of the tackles due to the left-handed quarterback obviously now with Hornerbrook gone and no lefties on the roster uh, and currently no lefties being recruited uh at least in the, then the Badgers can start to uh position their tackles uh back to the I would presume from what we've seen in the past from the offenses that Chris has had in the past uh the more traditional uh left tackle being the more athletic uh, and the right tackle being the more uh, run game oriented, uh, although obviously both have to do the same quite a bit. So I think that's something where you see Van Landen and Bruss stay where they're at, but I think behind them they can kind of move that. To me, Cormac Sampson coming from tight end screams left tackle, and Vopel coming from um, from the D-line uh, screams right tackle to me. Uh, and then someone like Logan Brown, who a lot of people were wondering where he was going to go, it makes a real nice, easy way to just keep him at left tackle um, and, guy, and guys like that. So Beach, uh, being a swing tackle, could end up playing both. David Mormon, as we mentioned earlier, could end up playing both. Um, but that's it's uh, going to be interesting, I guess, to see because, um, like I said, it's been pretty obvious that they switched the roles uh, with someone like Dave, Michael Dieter and John Dietzen playing left tackle and someone like Dave Edwards playing right tackle, whereas in the past you've saw, seen it with – say Gabe Karimi 
uh, playing left tackle and Josh Oglesby uh, playing right. So Ryan Ramchak as well playing left tackle. So it's uh, going to be, um, like I said, this is this is an extremely intriguing situation. It's a position the Badgers really haven't been in, like I said, in, in quite a while. And and it's a big opportunity for these guys to to make their mark. These are, for the most part, pretty, I don't want to say raw from a, a playing standpoint, but raw from an experience standpoint. Um, you know, Bruss has played four games or so, and, and Van Landen played a, probably five-eighths of the season uh, going off of last year's snap numbers. He played a significant amount of snaps higher than John Dietzen, but but wasn't a full-time guy. Um, and, and behind that, you've got Tyler Beach, who's played very sparingly, and Aaron Vopel, who played defense, and Cormac Sampson, who played tight end, um, and, and the walk-on Andrew Lyons. So a lot of room for growth, and I think a lot of room for uh, improvement, um, both, like I said, from an experience and an awareness standpoint, uh, but as well from a physical standpoint, the offensive line only has two seniors on it, and they're both presumably at guard, um, at least one of them for sure with Erdman uh, and then and then Dave Mormon, who could be all over the place. But uh, for a position group um, like offensive line to only have two seniors, uh, it's, it's a pretty significant um, age gap as far as uh, where a lot of the roster is. And even uh, Cole Van Lannan and Tyler Biotish, the only guys that have been on campus for more than uh, what will be three years. So a very young group um, and, and a hungry group, I'm sure, heading into to spring ball with a lot of opportunity uh, at their fingertips. And I mean, I mean, I know we talked a little bit, maybe just the things to note uh, with, with Vopel and, and Samson, they must be happy with Vopel and they must be happy with the depth at defensive line, in my opinion, now to move Vopel over. Because I remember all, there was a lot of praise for Vopel at the end of spring practices last year at defensive line. And he started that first week of fall camp with the first team defense until Matt Henningsen took over. And then he had a, a, a pretty decent spring, or a pretty decent fall camp, I should say, and locked down a, a starting role. But I think they must – it must be interesting there for Vopel. We've already touched back, uh, touched on him there. Cormac Sampson played one game last year, uh, but he was, you know, he moved the O line. You've seen that transition. Rick Wagner was a tight end. David Edwards was a tight end uh, previously, and then they moved them over. Um, sometimes that weight is there, and if they have the bend, uh, that's how it goes. So the former four star player, according to twenty four seven Sports, is standalone ratings. Uh, we'll, we'll head over there, uh, but just for the sake of time. Oh, and real quick on the question, our, our friend Brett is asking a mailbag. Uh, what are the chances Logan Brown sees the field this year? Um, I'll go about 10 to 15. Well, okay. With the new NCAA redshirt rule, I have a feeling he'll have, he'll see at least four games. I'll give that, oh, an yeah. 80, I'll give that a 90% chance. God willing, I only do 10%. You never know about injuries. You never know what happens. I want to say 90% uh, chance just based off of the red shirt rule. Now he looks the part, he looks the body type, the six, seven. I think he was the all American bowl was waiting around three, 300, 310. When he was there, um, you'll be listening about 285 on national signing day around that mark. And I, I think if the, he shows that physicality, if he shows the ability, I mean, like I said, with true freshmen, it's always interesting, especially with the offensive line. Um, I think there's a lot more to learn, but he has, if you're physically ready to go, 
which I, you know, Ross Kalaji will get them ready. Um, barring injury or any unforeseen circumstance, I think he'll probably play in four games. That's, that's my prediction. So I'll say 90% that he, that he plays in some fashion on the field next year. What about you? Oh, yeah, it's it's probably, I'm sure, 100%. I think I would be feel pretty safe. Like I said, without injury, um, I, if he's healthy, I think he'll play in four games. Uh, the his um his ability with his pedigree coming in here and that's something that we just talked about uh with with Vopel and Samson moving obviously they'll they'll have had a spring to play which is beneficial uh but that's a, a type of guy that um like there just aren't very many Logan Browns in the world uh or or people that 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 large with that level of athleticism and that level of ability uh so it wouldn't surprise me at all if throughout the year you see him in the in the two deep as a at left tackle, um, you know, number one, Cole Van Lannan, uh, number two, Tyler Beach or Logan Brown. And uh, that having him in that two deep, it, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he were to pass either Samson or Vopel simply because Logan Brown's played offensive line longer than they have. <laughs> um, so even in heading into college, I mean, they haven't played offensive line other than these, what will be these few weeks, uh, at least since high school. So um, it'll be, I think, a quick opportunity for him into that too deep. But I think that's really probably where it stops um, for this year. He'll play his four games and he'll redshirt uh, and he'll be in a great position uh, heading into 2020 um, to, to fight for some playing time. But um, I think he will see the field 100% in some capacity uh, whether it's um, in a in a non conference game if UW is up significantly or or whatnot, but um, I don't um, I don't foresee him seeing any uh, significant playing time or or playing in any meaningful football um, for the Badgers this year. Now let's take a quick break. Uh, come back. We'll talk defensive line. What's expected? Uh, what weeks? What I expect to see during spring ball? All that. And a couple more mailbag questions here on Bucky's fifth podcast. We'll be back in just about a minute, folks. Welcome back to Bucky's fifth podcast, everybody. Jake Okorowski, Owen Reese here. The podcast dynamic duo talking all things Wisconsin sports, uh, basketball, football, uh, hockey. Um, and I'm sure we'll have a basketball podcast coming up down the road, kind of recap the season and what lies ahead in 2019, 2020. But we are here talking with spring football. We will be down there. I will be down there at uh, the McLean Center, which is adjacent to the to Camp Randall Stadium, tomorrow morning to get our first look at Wisconsin football. First of eight practices that are open to the media. And so, really, uh, looking at defensive ends and, and the defensive line, uh, you guys will see an article coming up probably later tonight, early Tuesday morning talking about just the preview, like what we're watching, what I'm watching the most and defensive line is number three out of that. Uh, the third or the third most watched in my opinion is what I'll be looking at with this defensive line because they're still last year. You saw what they had to do with Lyles and Caden Lyles is now on the offensive line. They have most moved because we talked about earlier, they moved Aaron Vopel over as well. And uh, so, I mean, we've already kind of talked about, I think, I think there's a little bit more comfortability uh, with that defensive line. I think they're able to move Vopel over. I think maybe suit his skill set more, but also I think they're comfortable with who's behind them. Uh, and really 
Owen, I mean, who do you think out of this group needs to have the biggest spring this year? Is it a David Pfaff who can be a rising redshirt senior? It's his final year. There's no more Craig Howe. He's a, you know, the roster changes came out last week. He is officially done. He's no longer with the team. Um, there's Isaiah Mullins, the redshirt freshman who looks the part at 6'4, 280. And Jim Leonard noted, uh, you saw some of the tweets during the, uh, was it the spring, pre- or during uh, bowl prep practices, where I think Zach, Zach Heilprin, a tweet mentioned Mullins, but also it was in the UW Badgers, uh, another UW Badgers article by Mike Lucas talking to Leonard and noted how Mullins had some progression in those bowl prep practices. Or is a guy like Matt Henningsen, uh, for, now former walk-on who decided to you know, play all 13 games and uh, stepped up in that fashion, was the talk of the camp. Uh, fits my brand being a walk-on uh, with the book that I wrote and started seven games too. But which which player do you think, or is it, could it be even guys like Garrett Rand, Isaiah Loudermilk, where Rand you know, uh, is coming back from injury from that, uh, I think Jason Gallery reported a, a right torn Achilles. Or is it Isaiah Loudermilk and trying to stay healthy? But w- which player do you think needs to have a, the biggest spring coming up? Okay, so the first thing that I'm going to say is that it's important to keep in mind and to remember that the defensive ends, quote-unquote, for the Badgers, um, one of them is really a defensive tackle uh, with, with Jim Leonard's 3-4 scheme. and so while and while we're calling them both DNs, they play different things. Uh, it's not like in the NFL where both defensive ends uh, in a four-three play outside the tackles, um, or or one outside the tight end if if there's one to that side. The Badgers have two different defensive end positions. One is the five technique spot, uh, and the other is like a three or a four eye, and we'll get to that in a second. But so the whole point is, and the whole the the whole point of this diatribe is that there's two completely different body types at defensive end for the Badgers, and it's important to keep note of that, right? So the starting lineup is a perfect uh, encompass of – encompasses what they look for, right? So at that that five-tech defensive end spot, it's outside of the tackle, um, and they're looking for big, long dudes there, right? So that's Isaiah Laudermilk. That is uh, Isaiah Mullins. That's who – uh, that's where Matt Henningsen played last year. Um, those are the guys that they're six three, six four, bigger dudes um, because they do play on the edge, quote unquote, uh, in their base front. They they have the outside linebacker, uh, the weak side outside linebacker on that side. But those are bigger, longer guys, right? So, like I said, those are the three guys that really see that that kind of fit that. Maybe a CJ Getz um, as they continue to to put weight on him. Um, after his move from linebacker in high school, right? Um, the other one is the the it's what's really a, it's like a defensive tackle, um, which is essentially like what Mike Daniels plays for the Packers. Uh, for for comparison's sake, they are classified as a quote unquote D end, but really they're a three technique or a four eye, a B gap defender, defensive end, or, or tackle. Um, those are the Garrett Rand, David Pfaff, uh, Boyd Dietzen, um those are the, those smaller guys and I say smaller uh, loosely, but guys that are a, a bit more athletic or they want to get upfield, they want to penetrate and they want to be uh, disruptive um, because they don't have contain on that outside, like the, uh, the, the longer, taller defensive ends do. Okay. So that's the first thing I wanted to get out of the way, which is probably really uh, laborious and, and boring, but there's, it's, I, I think it's important that there's two clear archetypes on what the Badgers look 
uh, look at for that, that end position. Absolutely. Um, so moving, moving forward with that, uh, who has a big spring? I think it's got to be David Faf. He's, he's going to be a fifth-year guy, um, and he got into the rotation a bit last year for the first time really in his career. Uh, and I, I remember uh, Anoke Brechterfield speaking um, in the past about Faf, and he's like, physical talent has never been an issue for him. Uh, it's been more so, you know, block recognition or, or, or knowing his assignment uh, and really being in the playbook. So that's a uh, a big opportunity for him. Obviously, Garrett Rand is is the better player. I think he might be the most talented defensive lineman on the roster when he's healthy. Um, but that wasn't the case a year ago. He missed the entire year, and and uh, the Badgers will be looking forward to having him back. But with the with Rand really kind of being out for a year. Um, I think that we would be remiss if you didn't consider his backup to be uh, a pretty significant spot, um, just perhaps out of recency bias. Um, so I think Faf has a big chance there. Um, you know, Henningsen was was rock solid a year ago. He was not um, extraordinary. He's not flashy. He's not sexy. He's exactly what you would expect a former walk-on defensive lineman to be. Um, but he was solid. And I think that the Badgers probably know what they're getting more out of Henningsen at this point than they probably do out of Faf or, or say an Isaiah Mullins, who will probably have higher upsides physically, um, but, but haven't been quite so uh, dependable thus far. Um, so I think Faf has a big chance um, to, he, he's not going to play more than Garrett Rand if Rand is healthy, uh, but I think that that's a a tougher spot to replace than that that C gap outside uh, outside defensive end spot. Um, so I think that Faf or or even like a Boyd Dietzen who uh, redshirted last year but was a a pretty high three star recruit coming out of Kimberly High School uh, two years ago. I think that's a guy that could also find his way onto the field in that that B gap defensive tackle spot uh, if if the opportunity presents itself or could, could force his way on, um, you know, if, if lack of depth at, at nose tackle forces Rand over there, which I think he's in a much better spot at three I or the four tech spot, but he's shown the ability to play nose if needed in the past. Um, I know they've said he's got like a 500 pound bench press or something, which makes Garrett Rand a better football player than I am. <laughs> but um, regardless, it, it's a, um, you know, it's a spot that, if if things don't go right, uh, that that three I four technique uh, defensive tackle spot um, is is an important spot for the Badgers. It's what Caden Lyles played a year ago, and played it because he couldn't play the other end spot, and they needed someone outside or other than Henningsen to play it. But uh, that's a big spot, and they've got some kids here who I think have a chance to to take that spot um, if it becomes available. But it'll be a big opportunity for them in spring. Now, looking with that, uh, we talked about Randy's. Uh, Paul Christ mentioned last week and it was also it also noted in that UW Badger article that Lucas had with uh, Leonard that he will be limited. Um, Chris said he didn't know the potential pitch count or snap count, uh, but he will be limited. Uh, and, and you mentioned that Rand having that ability to play inside or out, uh, bumping out the end which is, I think, where he should be, obviously, but then you've seen where he's need, been needed his first two seasons in, in Madison as a nose tackle, uh, but his strength has been able to keep up with the, those interior linemen there. Uh, I guess now, though, the the big question at nose tackle, uh, who backs up Bryson Williams at that spot? And, and I think that's something that will be interesting because 
he played in all 13 games last year. We we all thought he would play last season as part of the rotation. He physically makes up that mold of a of a nose tackle for Wisconsin. Uh, he had three starts last season because of the the season ending injury that Olive Sangapolu had against Northwestern uh, on the road in Evanston. So I guess I mean it could I mean Rand could provide that fail safe with his experience as a nose. But I guess like you have Gunnar Roberge, uh, which you know he's one option. He's a redshirt senior. He played in five games last year, so he did have some experience last year. I think he needs to step up. But I'm also wondering of a guy like uh, the true freshman, like we mentioned before. Which like uh, again, this is not going to be until fall camp. But Gio Paez, Keanu Benton, both could have the physical makeup to take over that spot, and if they can learn the techniques. They'll be in a much better position. I think, you know, I mean, and you and I talked about this during the break, Owen. I mean, Gio Paez had that 550-pound squat uh, and and looking healthy doing it. Uh, and that was just posted today on his Twitter feed. Uh, this is Monday, by the way, April 1st. So that's boding well. That looks like he could be physical enough that he could do some uh, work in there if he can pick up. This is the playbook, the techniques on the defensive line. And Keanu Benton, obviously a two-time WIA Division I runner-up uh, for the heavyweight class for, for state wrestling, has that experience too. I'm excited to see what those two could potentially bring to the position if they're placed there. Uh, but what are your thoughts with the nose tackle and, and who could make an impact in rotation on that defensive line at nose tackle. All right, Jake, look, here's the deal. So not only are you handsome, you're smart as well. And I'm very glad you didn't mention Rodas. I'm very glad you didn't mention Rodas Johnson as one of those three because he's going to be uh, that three technique, that that B gap defender. So I'm happy that you left him out of there and that you're exactly right. Um, Piaz and Benton, I think are two guys. I think those are your best bets, possibly even more than the, than the uh, guys who enrolled early, like that's your best bet to get on the field as a true freshman. Um, simply for the fact that there's one scholarship player at nose tackle right now, um, which one is pretty frightening uh, for a team that runs a three, four, uh, but that's a conversation for a di- different day. So nonetheless, uh, I think that um, while I think that you'd probably see Rand bump over to play nose tackle in a pinch before either of the true freshmen come on, I, it's, I mean, it, it can't be out of the question. I mean, that, that someone like Benton, who's like six, five, 290 pounds would have a, a legitimate chance to, to see the field as a nose tackle as a freshman, because um, like I said, and this is a bit uh, astonishing to me uh, that you can see a team like Wisconsin that runs a three, four, like defensive base uh, only have one nose tackle on the roster that it's, it's pretty wild to me. Um, you know, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It, it, it floored me that there were like, four scholarship running backs on a team uh, that runs the ball 50 times a game, but like that it's a, uh, it's a major position of, I wouldn't say weakness, but opportunity uh, because I think that there's guys on the roster that are capable of doing it. uh, But it's like, there's just not bodies there. Um, So I think that, that Piaz and Benton, I wouldn't want to put my house on it or anything that they're going to play a ton this year, but I think that you'd be, uh, fairly ignorant to suggest that they they don't have a, a, an incredible chance uh, or opportunity to, to come into fall camp and um, at none, like at the very least be impressive and, and find their way on the field. Um, like I said, just due to the 
uh, uh, lack of capable bodies, I guess, at the position at the moment. Um, they've got one scholarship, no tackle. That's pretty astonishing um, in all um, in all reality. Absolutely. I mean, it kind of goes. To, I mean, we've already talked about you know potential true freshman going in, and like I said, with new nose tackle, it's going to be hard uh, because yeah, I, there's not much to it. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tough, tough it's a tough spot, and it's tough for a freshman. I mean, Bryson Williams that did it. I guess the one, I guess you could say history has been on Wisconsin's side when it, when it's come to playing true freshmen at the position. Because you had Garrett Rand, I believe, back up with Sangapalu back uh, when he first came in as a true freshman. But then Sangapalu himself was playing as a true freshman. I mean, he never redshirted. So I guess, yeah, I, I mean, the precedent could be there where he, where he could step up in that position. But I, the precedent, yeah, it, it for sure could be there. Um, but I guess, and in, in for the sake of um, a little elaboration for what I meant when I say that's a tough spot, um, I would uh, venture to say it's a tougher spot to learn at least than the east, the, the weak side uh, defensive end spot, that five technique spot. There's just, and, and I know that we've talked about this with um, Coach Brechterfield in the past, there's a lot of like block recognition stuff that, that the younger players really struggle with. Uh, because it's not just getting upfield. Um, they're going to have one of the A gaps or even be asked to two gap uh, and, and have both A gaps at times in uh, in the Badgers scheme. But whether they're getting reach blocked, they're getting base blocked, they're getting double teamed, they're getting, uh, you know, recognizing pullers and stuff. A lot of the stuff inside uh, that, that happens much quicker than it does out on the edge um, is, is a bit what I mean by that. It's, it's, it's a tough spot to learn. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different ways to defeat those types of blocks uh, that that simply when you're um, when you come into camp as a freshman and not only are you you're trying to find where stuff is on campus and you're getting used to living by yourself for the first time and you're you know adjusting to playing 22 year old men every day in practice and you're 18 and all this and, and you're trying to learn where to line up and where to go and what personnel groupings you're in and then all of a sudden you've got like Caden Lyles crushing you on a fold block or something like it's, it's, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of stuff to pick up. Um, and, and that's, like I guess I wanted to elaborate on that a bit to not be um, to just simply say that it's a tougher spot to learn than, than outside, but there's a lot of stuff going on inside. Um, the best way it's uh, like at tackle or like on the edge as a, as a defender, it's a bit like a ballet. It's like a slow dance. Um, you know, there's more space, there's more vision. You can see stuff going on inside is like a mosh pit stuff's happening really fast and it's physical and in your face right now. Um, so that's a, it's a tough spot to learn. I think it'll be a more of a endorsement of the players that the Badgers are recruiting. If they get on the field early, um, then, then it would be a, an indictment necessarily of the depth, which is certainly an issue, but, uh, that's, it's a, a very, uh, re- uh, relied upon position in the Badgers defense uh, and and clearly needing bodies, but it's not going to be, um, you know, while we mentioned it's the, it might be the quickest way for a true freshman on the field at UW, it certainly doesn't make that position any easier to uh, to execute. Now getting to the mailbag questions, a couple of quick ones. Who do you think, this is from Badger Homer, who do you think sees the f- field first out of the three defensive linemen coming in for the 2019 class? Gio Piaz, Rodas Johnson, or Keanu Benton? Right now, I I think based off of physicality, I mean, this is just based off of the, I don't want to make it off of one video of one squat, but I think the physicality of Piaz is intriguing to me 
just based on the fact that you saw what Bryson Williams did during his fall camp or during his spring camp and the winter conditioning where he was able to bench or not bench squat 550 uh, and that physical physicality helped him. Now, Pia, now all three aren't going to be here at Wisconsin until summer. So that puts them at a disadvantage. Um, but I think someone, whoever can take over that nose tackle spot in terms of giving some reps to Bryson Williams, if, if Roberge can't lock it down or if they don't move Fran back inside for, uh, if as a fail safe, um, I think, yeah, I think it's whoever can, can lock down and be a backup and, and contribute there. So I'll say either Piaz or Benton. And I like Piaz's physicality to lock it down. Do you have any thoughts on that one? I'm going to tell you that it's not going to be Rodas Johnson. Um, I think that, like I said, because um, I think Piaz and Benton are a bit more ready from a technical or a refinement standpoint um, than, than Johnson will be coming in. Uh, I know Johnson played quite a bit of offensive line and was considered to be a division one offensive lineman by some of the recruiting services as well. Um, I think that that Piaz or Benton will have a chance at that nose tackle position. If I had to guess, I'd honestly probably say Benton. Um, but that I that's more so just off of a uh, a hunch based on on frame um, rather than than Piaz. So I, I don't want to um, I don't have a ton of conviction in that take. Uh, but for the sake of variety, I'm going to say Keanu Benton because I don't just want to copy you because you covered it pretty well. <laughs> Last one from Corey, who's actually a, a Huskers fan. Will defensive line depth be a concern or better than last year? I'm going to say better. I think the Volpe move to offensive line proves that a little bit where they feel that they're probably happier with the depth. I think a guy like Isaiah Mullins, if he can have a big spring, um, if you have Rand and Loudermilk at least somewhat healthy uh, or mostly healthy for the season, I, I think this group is going to be a year stronger, a year more experienced, and I think the addition of Rand, if he stays healthy and nothing happens uh, or any injury there, I think he'll be a big boost for the line. And I like, I mean, I'm excited to see what Isaiah Mullins can do with that 6'4, 280 frame. Um, I'll say I think it's going to be better than last year. Do you agree or do you think there's still some concern there? Look, buddy, it ain't going to be worse. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, Defensive line depth was honestly at some pretty dire straits um, for a, a large majority of the 2018 season. Uh, and like as we mentioned, a guy that might start on the offensive line started on the defensive line last year um, and, and really took one for the team. And I think that's something that I hope fans don't take for granted. Uh, I can tell you the coaching staff thinks a ton of Caden Lyles as a person. Um, first and foremost for, for doing that because it's really a, a selfless thing to do uh, to move over like that. But that's um, I think it's both a testament to uh, the, the defensive line depth becoming better or, or being more uh, competent uh, that they moved Vopel over. But I think at the same point, like I said, there's, just, there's going to be um, more competition. Uh, and, and that's something that at the very least, uh, there wasn't a ton of room for competition last year because there simply just wasn't enough people to compete. Uh, Louder Milk was was in and out of the lineup. Uh, Garrett Rand didn't play at all, uh, and and Olivia Sagapolu played for about roughly just over half the year before he was injured and, and played injured a bit prior to that. 
Um, and, and so you had a true freshman playing nose tackle. And as we've documented here in the last minute or two, uh, you know, they, all they had behind them was a nose, ta- was a, a walk on. Um, so, I mean, it's, there will be increased competition, like I said, just for the sake of that they brought in three more scholarship defensive linemen and, and they're getting some of that, um, that depth back, uh, from the attrition that they suffered a year ago, uh, on the injury front. But, um, it, it, it certainly, it won't be worse than it was last year. And then for a team that, that plays a three front, uh, in the base, I, last year was, uh, crossing new frontiers from a lack of depth standpoint, um, that the Badgers experienced. I know. I think we've covered it a lot. We've gotten a lot in, uh, and we thank you guys all. Make sure you guys check out all our position previews that we've had over the past two to three weeks. Owen and I have been taking those down and just, you know, one by one by one or two by two by two, I should say. Uh, so thank you guys for listening there. Owen, before we get going, where can they find us? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or uh, excuse me, SoundCloud, not Spotify. Those are two different things. And anywhere that you can find podcasts, uh, we're, we've enjoyed our time here on the SB Nation Team Brands website, and we look to continue to um, make this podcast as good as it can be for you guys. Uh, so make sure you leave us uh, a comment. Um, let us know how we can improve. Let us know what you like about the podcast, and, and make sure that you leave five-star reviews. Um, they make us happy and we like to be happy. So um, five star reviews only. Uh, they actually won't let you give less star reviews. Um, don't test me on that, but just trust me. And uh, like I said, just let us know how we can improve or, or what you like about the show. We enjoy the feedback and and we can't make the show better if we don't know uh, how we can make it better. So um, thanks all for listening. And uh, I don't know, it's getting exciting. It's spring ball, Jake. I know, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be down there. Make sure you guys check our Instagram posts coming up. We'll have some photos from there. I'll bust out my DSLR and take some photos there. So make sure you check out our Bucky's fifth quarter Instagram page. Follow us on Twitter at B5Q for Re- Owen at Reese Draft, R-I-E-S-E Draft, me at B5Q. And excited to get back into uh, spring ball. Make sure you guys tune in next week or we'll figure out what's going on next. We're going to try to get some former Badgers on to talk about their NFL draft journey uh, as well over the next few weeks leading up to the NFL draft that's coming up at the end of the month it's going to be crazy, it's going to be busy there Uh, but thank you guys all for tuning in and we'll check you guys coming up uh, next week here on Bucky's 5th Podcast